All right, welcome back. Shalom. Shalom. Good to be back. So, so uh, I feel like I'm just like flying next to you, and then I'll like grab on you and like start shooting stuff, and you're like, "Okay, let's let's keep going." <laughs> so, <laughs> gotta, uh, stop doing. I'm gonna try to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's okay. It's okay. We're all aiming at the same target, right? That's right. That's the uh, get you some target. That's what we aiming yeah. at. Yeah. Shoot, shooting down that the. That's right. And so we mentioned uh, right re- right before we left off, we were talking about what? We're talking about the menorah being the Jewish people that's flanked by the two Mashiachs, which are the two olive trees that are next to the menorah as seen and stated in Zechariah chapter four. All right. And there that says this menorah was self-sustaining because it had these olive trees just flowing right into it. Right. Right. And so this corresponds to John one, four says in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Uh, We just talked about, the, the lampstand being the Jewish people, being uh, Mashiach also. And right. on connected to your point of how these, these two olive trees made that menorah self-sustaining, it says uh, elsewhere, Mashiach says that I've, I've came to give you life and life abundant. Oh, right? So just like that menorah is self-sustaining and the oil just keeps pouring in, these, these two... Uh, the two foundations of Mashiach, these two olive trees, constantly pour into the menorah to be the light of men, to give us light, life that's abundant. Tag. Okay, so Tehillim 3610 is what Yochanan 1-4 is connected to, pun intended. It says, for the source of life is with you. And and it says, in your light, do we see light? This is coming from Sefer Ya'arok. It says, in your light, which is in the light of the world to come, we will, we will see true light, since it is light, after which there is no darkness. Radak said that. And then he says, uh, from the Midrash, which light do the Jewish people yearn for? The light of Mashiach. Well, Yochanan 1-4, that's the response to that. And then it says, God saw the light and it was good. Bereshit 1-4, referring to Mashiach and his deeds, which Hashem, yeah, yes, that just happened. It says, so Bereshit 1-4 is referring to the Mashiach and his deeds which God envisioned prior to the creation of the world. Pasikta oh, Rabati 36. <laughs> That's incredible. End of tag. <laughs> tag worth it. <laughs> <laughs> tag. So we, on, on, <laughs> yes. Tag believe it. No. <laughs> so on this, we have a, uh, on this concept of this uh, nair, this lamp, this light, um, we also have the idea that 
in, in Proverbs like 623, it says, for the commandment is a lamp. This teaching is a light, right? And so Mashiach also, we, we referred to him as like the Torah, right? And so here's another connection. Nair is connected with Mashiach. Nair is also connected with the commandments of God, which make up the, the entire Torah. Oh, wow. So, the entire Torah. Yeah. And so the teaching, the teaching would be a light, right? It's like it says, Torah is light. Can I, can I tag again? Yes, you may. I have a, uh, a, a commentary thanks to my Kala on uh, Mishle. So I'm cracking this open for Mishle 623, as you just quoted. For mm-hmm. the commandment is a lamp and the Torah is light. The merit of a mitzvah is temporary, like the flame of a lamp. But the merit of Torah study is everlasting, like the light of the sun. The sages, Sota 21a, illustrate this verse with a parable. A man walking in the dark of night feared thorns, pits, animals, and robbers along the way. Moreover, he was not sure if he was headed in the right direction. He found a torch that enabled him to avoid thorns and pits. But he still feared animals and robbers, and he still did not know his way. Once the light of dawn appeared, he was safe from animals and robbers, but was still uncertain about his direction. Only when he reached a crossroads was he relieved of that fear as well. Parable explained, someone who performs a mitzvah is only partially saved from punishment. When he has the merit of Torah study, he is saved both from sin and affliction. But he is still in danger of his Yetzirah because it will lure him away from Torah study. Thus, only when he gets to a crossroads is he secure from spiritual danger. The sages interpret the crossroads variously. Either it refers to the day of his death or it refers to a scholar who has acquired the fear of sin for his Torah knowledge teaches him what is required and what is prohibited. And his fear of sin protects him from his Yetzirah. Wow. Man. So you, when you said talking about toiling and Torah study and how we're connect, connecting this whole, the Torah to Mashiach. Yes. It reminded me back in uh, Parsha uh, Mechotai, uh-huh. where it begins, if you go on my statutes, and Rashi talks about the word, im uh, Yes. if you go on my, my statutes, um, he talks about, This is talking about laboring. You should be laboring in Torah, like you mentioned, like toiling right. in the Torah. And yes. elsewhere, well, how does that connect to Mashiach? Okay, we, we connected it to toiling in Torah and Torah study, like you mentioned right. before. But Mam Loez comments on EIM as being an acronym that stands for one of the things is Eliyahu and Mashiach. 
Oh my word. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So if you walk into Shuva following Yeshua, that's how you toil in Torah. Because yeah. that is the Aleph and the Mem right before Bechukotai. So in mm -hmm. Bechukotai, Eliyahu Mashiach, Eliyahu represents Teshuva. Mashiach is obviously the one we follow. And if you follow that into keeping the statutes, that's toiling in Torah. Amen. Okay, I'm going to stop being, as the incredible Talmud always says, I'm getting a little greedy. So I'm going to back away from the table. The violent take it by force. <laughs> Come on. Okay, go. All right. And so coming coming back to our um, looking back at the negative aspect, I guess, of it is coming back to our midrash is we have this idea of these false prophets who are completely consumed. They're completely burned up. Yes. And we got into mentioning about toiling and Torah and observing mitzvot and the menorah and walking in that light. So it comes to say, okay, well, you know, there's no like false, there's no, I'm not like a ruler like Nebuchadnezzar. You know, I don't have a fiery furnace just to cast, um, to test false prophets and to cast them in the fire. So how would I, as a, as a normal human being, test if someone's a false prophet and they're going to lead me astray like they try to do Nebuchadnezzar's daughter? How will I not be seduced by their teachings like Nebuchadnezzar's daughter was? How? And so, fortunately for us, we have, we have a loving God who's given us his instruction. Yes. And in his Torah, he's actually given us a foolproof method to determine if someone is a false prophet without having to cast him in the fire. Okay, so the Torah is a fire, though. Yeah, oh, so maybe I was mistaken. Maybe it's like, this is how you cast it in the fire. You cast it into my Torah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, which is how the menorah was made because he took a block of, block of gold motion. He threw it in the, in the fire. And did it disintegrate? Did it evaporate? No, it became its its, its pure image, which came out. Pure <laughs> image came out, just like just like Yahoshua uh, came out intact. Wow, wow, Man. wow! So, cast the false prophet, cast the people into the Torah, and you will always see who is true, who is not, and that's what we're doing. We're casting. This idea of, of Mashiach, that's what we're going to do through this, cast the idea of Mashiach, Yeshua being Mashiach, into the fires of Torah. And we oh. are going to find out that he is pure and he is this, this pure gold menorah that's lighting our paths. Are you saying we're about to make a menorah right now? You're going to make a menorah to oh, man. make light for the nations and, and our brothers and all who will... Have eyes to see. Amen. Amen. So okay. our full method comes in Devarim 13.3. How did I know you were going to go there? It says, 
uh, talking about this, this prophet that comes up to it, says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or to that dream of dreams. Let me, let me go up a little bit. Okay. If there, if there rise in the midst of you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign of the wonder comes to pass, whereof he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. And yes. I, I just like to stop right there because a lot of people be like, okay, well, I'm not serving other gods, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I believe in the God of the Bible. Well, okay. he mentioned serving gods. And what is a God? A God is someone who gives you instructions and serving that God is to observe his instructions. And so if oh. you're observing anything other than the Torah, you are serving other gods. And so if you're listening to a false prophet who's enticing you to this, this is what the Torah says to do or not to do it says you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or to that dream of dreams for the Lord, your God proves you to know whether you love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul, you shall walk after the Lord, your God and fear him and keep his mitzvot, his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and cleave to him. And it goes on to say the, the prophet shall be put to death. Just like these, these prophets in the fiery furnace. <laughs> and so, Ooh, and so that was intense <laughs> yes oh my word hey what is wrong with you oh you said oh hell was 38 right yes how many letters is oh hell is it three uh, i believe it's actually uh four let me Go back to my gematria drop here. Yes, it's four letters. Is there a vav in there? No, not a vav in there. Okay. All right, never mind. Okay. Anyway, so we're talking about these this false prophets. The way to test it is by throwing them into the fires of Torah, specifically this portion, Devarim 13.3, and see what comes out of it, right? And yes. What, what stuck out to me, what's always stuck out to me is, is this is the one point in scripture where we're tested about the love of God. Wow. Related to rejecting the words of a false prophet, rejecting someone who says, go away from the Torah. That's what it means to love God. That's how he defines loving him. And so there's a lot of people who say, oh, I love God. I love God. I'm a lover of God, you know, but. If you, you cannot say you love God and say his Torah is done away with. You cannot say you, you love God and, and go to a church. You cannot say you love God and go to uh, church on Sunday. You cannot say you love God while you're eating pork, right? You cannot say you love God and you're breaking all of his commandments. Because the way he defines love of him is by rejecting the false prophet. Now, can I tag, support tag, and oh my goodness tag, because a, a lot of people may have just kind of swerved off the road and lost their mind or something right now, yeah, but let's sure. just uh, let's just back that up with our menorah that we follow, namely Mashiach Yeshua of Nazareth, the one who endured the crucifixion stake for our atonement and was resurrected 
no less than three days after that and empowers us to walk in newness of life. I'm talking about that guy. Yeah. Sometimes that gets twisted. But he said, so this is Mashiach said, he said, Yochanan 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yochanan 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. So if you have a, ever a fear of keeping the mitzvah, thinking that that's going to cause you to endure Gehenna or to be separated from the love of God, then you're telling Mashiach he's a liar because Yochanan 14, 21 says the one who loves me will be loved by my father. And what did he just say loving me is? Keeping the commandments. And then he says, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. So you're going to get your eyes to see through keeping the mitzvah because in his light, you shall see light. Uh, Yochanan 15, 10. If you love, if you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. First John 2, 3. By this, we can be sure that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So now, if you don't keep his commandments, you're saying, I don't know him. Second John 1, 6, and I'm done. And this is love. So you want to know what love is? This is it. Second Yochanan 1, 6, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the very commandment you've heard from Bereshit that you walk and you must walk in love. So just saying, don't think Hasis is crazy, everybody. Like, he is crazy, but a different kind of crazy, like a good kind of crazy. So what you're saying so, is, in order to know this, you just got to read the Basora, right? Yes, right. All right, let's go ahead and run this time up to 20. All right. <laughs> Bro, that was epic, by the way. That was really epic what you shared about obedience to God. Like, wow. Yeah, I, lo I love how you elucidated that with words from Mashiach and words from the apostles. And there's, there's really no denying that. Like, if, if you need a solid base to start at, it's, it's that. How do you love God? Just do what he says. He doesn't change. And I, I can't help but think as you're saying that, he says, if you love me, right? If, like Messiah's using this word, if. I can't help if. but think, is the word he, he's using, aim. Aim. Like, aim, like what we talked about, what Rashi quotes, like, if you keep my commandments, right? Means to sort the toil in the Torah. Oh. Right? And, and it stands for yeah. Eliyahu. Mashiach, if you heed the words of Yochanan, who is, if you would accept it, Eliyahu, and if you heed my words, Mashiach, you're going to be toiling Torah, and you're going to be, you're going to truly learn to love me. Like your desires are going to change, right? Because Get you some. Yes, because the Torah is the cure for the Yetzirah. Oh my so word! He says, when he says if, he's given us a solution to fight our own evil desires and support tag. I just found the Septuagint equivalent for this word. If, 
and it's used and translated for Eam. Boom. <laughs> there it is. All right, so we're at 20, so let's take a break, and we'll be right back. All right, shalom. Shalom. All right, and welcome back. Uh, good to be back, and it's, it's good to come back from a section that I'd like to call the, uh, the love of God elucidated. You know but, what? I will title it that. I'm literally going to do that. <laughs> the love of God elucidated by Met. And so we're going to continue on. And <laughs> well, we're going to continue on uh, talking about this, this factor. And we're going to bring it back to essentially the beginning. Like we went to the end of our half tour. Now let's kind of go back to the okay. beginning. It says in 3.1, And he showed me Yehoshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and the adversary, the Satan, Satan, standing, curse be he, standing at his right hand to accuse or thwart him. And so there's commentary on this. And it says, the adversary standing at his right hand. And there's some that, that refer to this as the two false prophets that Yehoshua was in the fire with. Mm. And on this, we're going to kind of go into Yehoshua's perspective on them. All right. It says, Yehoshua, the high priest, did not protest against their ac accusations. Um, so they, they wanted to save themselves, right? So they included him. He says, Yehoshua, the high priest, did not protest against their accusations. As some explain, through his association with them, he hoped to bring them to... He knew that uh, this association would not harm him since he was a brand plucked from the fire. Verse 2. That is, he had purged himself of the evil inclination. What? Yeah. He had purged he, himself of the evil inclination and he wanted to bring these two to repentance. And this is why he, he lodged with them, if you will. Just get out of here with that. What in the which, world? <laughs> which, yes. Which brings us, does that remind you of something with uh, Yehoshua lodging with sinners? Yeah, something about he eats with sinners and he's supposed to be yeah. like all like a Pharisee and stuff. Yeah. Wait. Turn, turn to me. Oh, yeah. And so you, Luke 19. If you'd like to elucidate the point on him being a Pharisee, I think our audience would have something very valuable to them. All right. So first off. The, if if Yeshua was not a Pharisee, let's start with that. He would not have any arguments whatsoever with a Pharisee or a scribe because Pharisees and scribes are only paying attention to their group. If he was a Sadducee, they would not have the time or day for that because a Sadducee is no scriptura. And I just went straight past solo scriptura because that's ultimately mm -hmm. what it means. And if a person's no scriptura, they're a Sadducee. And if you are a person of Torah and you're, you don't share anything with them because that is the epitome of casting your pearls before swine. So, Yeshua would have never gotten any flack from Pharisees if he was anything other than a Pharisee. 
because those are really the only people who stick to the oral traditions. They believe in things like grace before meals. They believe in things like mikvah, which is commonly called baptism. They believe in things like, I don't know, the alum haba. They believe in angels. So, you know, if you were not a Pharisee, you would have a real hard time with Memtet. And um, also, the fact that Mashiach was observed so closely is because what Hashem is doing is he is literally live time writing a, li a living Torah scroll. Because uh, due to the studies, the diligent studies of Zal and uh, Shlomo, a.k.a. Stav Soldat and Ishpela, come on, get you some. <laughs> They are looking into the works and the training of being a sofer. And just from the little bit that they've gleaned, they've seen that every letter and every line is super meticulous. And so what you have with the Pharisees and the sofers is that's the two Torahs. You have the Pharisees for the written Torah and the, the, well, Slika, you have the Sofarim for the written Torah and the Pharisees for the oral Torah. And when you look at the, the Torah scroll itself, it's already lamb skin or the skin of a kosher animal that was slaughtered. And then on that skin is written ink, which is black. So you have black on white background. And that distinction is to show us the two Torahs because the Written Torah is actually those black letters. And then you got the white background. That's like the oral Torah. So you already have the two tests following Mashiach practically everywhere. So if he was not a Pharisee, we would not have any of, the, any of those dynamics. And we may not even have four different gospels. You know, we would probably have like a few chapters of some weird guy that's kind of good most mostly a hippie so um chasve shalom that that's actually the case so that's my elucidation on mashiach is a pharisee with that elucidation i think we'd end the drash no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. very, very well done and i like to just quick tag in on this just like so the whole you you mentioned uh pharisees would not even have been questioning him if if he were to eat you know, with sinners, but also it's known that Pharisees only ate with other Pharisees. So when Yeshua ate with the Pharisees, right, it, it proved that he was a Pharisee himself. Amen. Uh, so, man, that's that's good, though. And we, we, see this, we see this in the Gospels, right? It says in Luke, Luke 19 about him lodging with sinners. Um, but before we get to that, I would like to just connect it to the point we've been talking about. What happens if you have been following a false messiah? What happens if you realize after hearing this or hearing another message similar, you're not really loving God? Maybe you are eating unclean or unkosher. Maybe you're not keeping Sabbath, you know, in whatever, whatever way. So right. what do you do? Like I said, the hope is not lost because we have this menorah that's shining and being a light uh, to oh, your man. path. Right. So you may come into the Torah and be tested and be made into a pure, pure image, remade into the image of God. That's right. And so right here. This this reminds me 
when it says Yehoshua the high priest was associated with them to bring them to repentance. And it oh. also says he's like lodged with them, right? And so this reminds me of several passages in the Basora and the Gospels, but especially <laughs> Luke 19, 5 and 7. Oh it my says, goodness. <laughs> when Yeshua came to a place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zachai, hurry and come down for today. I must stay at your house. He hurried, came down, received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying, He has gone into lodge with a man who is a sinner. Zakai stood up and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have wrongfully exacted anything of anyone, I restore four times as much. Yeshua that said doesn't to him, sound like a sinner. <laughs> nope. Yeshua said to him, Sounds like he brought him to repentance, too. If he did oh. sin, like quadruple the amount. Yeshua said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Yeshua yeah. has come to this house. Whose house? Zacchaeus' house. Yeshua went in his house. Right? So wait, wait, wait. Of, Is that a pun? Is that a pun? Yeshua definitely made a pun right there. I'm a sheikh made a pun, which is why I think we love him so much. Man, so, okay. So to the listeners, that's why I do my puns, okay? Because my, right. my eyes. <laughs> Don't hate him for it. Walking on the foot of the Messiah. Continue on. Yeshua said to him, Today Yeshua has come to this house because he is also, because he also is a son of Abraham, right? There's the idea of converting, right? Converting, coming into the covenant, becoming a Jew, right? Accepting the heritage. Uh, Everyone's welcome. Oh my goodness. Observe the Torah as long as you're willing for salvation to come to your house. And he came to came to this for the Son of Man, which is a name of Messiah, came right. to seek and to save that which was lost. Um, and on that, there's commentary on the Lord rebukes you, O adversary. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem will rebuke you. For is this not a, a firebrand saved from the fire? That's our half Torah three two. It says one reason God will rebuke you because He is the compassionate one who purifies his creature in order to exonerate them. And so right here, Yeshua is saying, I came to seek and save that which was lost. So he's purifying. He's bringing to repentance. Wow. Lost, just like Hashem does. Amen. Goes on to say, God will rebuke you because he has chosen Jerusalem. Hence, he will save the high priest who forbears, whose forebears served in the temple. Wow. And then, <laughs> unless you got something, uh, a quick, quick add on to anything, I got something about these filthy garments. All right. Um, my tag and support, and I agree. Um, it's interesting uh, verbs and phrase here that says um, he chose Jerusalem. He chose Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know, because today in, in the modern world, there seems to be a few people, hopefully less than more, uh, that believe with beyond a reasonable doubt. Because, you know, Rabbi Griffin says there's no such thing as beyond a shadow of a doubt, but beyond a reasonable doubt that... Uh, you know, Jerusalem does not belong to the Jews. 
And furthermore, any Jews who are trying to be in Jerusalem are called settlers and they are creating problems. So just want to clear that up right now um, for those who have ears to hear that uh, Hashem chose Jerusalem and Hashem chose the Jewish people. And the reason why we're chosen is because we keep his word. Anyone who keeps his word, the pure Torah, the pure menorah, they're attached to Yerushalayim because that is the place Hashem has chosen to rest his name. So let it be known that Hashem has chosen Jerusalem and that that belongs to Jewish people. And so I know it's crazy that, you know, the master of the universe gets say in who has this land, but you know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that's all I have to say about that. I agree. Tag. <laughs> right. And there's really, there's really no excuse for refusing to come into his, his covenant, his people, uh, yeah. because he made us at our level. Right. Right. He became, he became, Torah was made flesh. Right to connect with us on our level. He became and this is also what the, man. Wow. Yes. Yes. And so this is what it means when he's like Yehoshua. This is the deeper meaning, I believe, to Yehoshua lodging with them, accepting them, trying to embrace them and bring them to repentance. Um, also, garments. Garments can uh, talk about can bring forth the idea about one's position, one's standing. I mean, right. And uh, it mentions in three three Zechariah three three. Now Yehoshua was clothed in filthy garments as he stood before the angel, and a lot of these like filthy garments. It it talks about alluding to his uh, his sons who married gentiles gentile women, um, which is against Torah them being Jewish, and it also says the filthy garments is a metaphor for lust. And so there's all this, like essentially the connotation of the filthy garments has to do with this sin and this iniquity. Um, and Is that why the, the word here for filthy is not to me? Ooh, what is it? Um, because the word here for filthy is actually zoim. Soim, okay, I see it right here. I got theme of Soim. Yeah. Which is interesting yeah. because it's it's calling it uh soiled like excrement. Ooh. That's disgusting. Yeah. And uh, like just going to this 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 context of how he came in lodge with us, right? He put his position around like all this this iniquity around the sinners, around the broken, around the needy. And that was his position. Those were his filthy garments that he put on. Wow. Because he was trying to purify it. Yes, he was trying to purify it. And so it goes into Matthew 9. says, Matthew 9, find a good starting point. As Yeshua passed from there, he saw a man called Matthew. Matthew, sitting at the tax collector office. He said to him, follow me. He got up and followed him. 
It happened as he sat in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with Yeshua and his Talmudim. When the Perashim saw it, they said to his Talmudim, his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Yeshua heard it, he said to them, Those who are healthy have no need for a physician or a doctor, but those who are sick do. But you go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. And so right here, he's, he's, he's bringing, he's clothing himself and the sinners, surround himself in the sinners. That's the position he came down in in order to redeem us, in order to heal us. And this is the same thing. And we just uh, a few months ago got done with Pesach. And this is what Hashem did in the month of ER. Uh, as we, he came to bring us from Mitzrayim, this land of, of bondage, to the Torah. In order to do that, he had to heal us. Wow. Right now, he's with them side by side, Yehoshua, with the side by side, these, these sinners, these false prophets, and he's clothed in these filthy garments, right? Wow. And so, wow. And so these filthy garments end up getting burned because of these false, false messiahs, these false prophets that are by him, right? But he's there to redeem, to bring to repentance all these people, all these sick. And just like there's, there's a sickness of uh, like, like there's an enslavement in Egypt. There's also enslavement to our own desires. Wow. And he comes around us and, and we get to experience him. We get to experience the Torah. And when we experience the Torah, we connect with it. And the more we connect with it, the more the desire for it, the desire for Mashiach, desire for Torah gets placed within us. And this heals us, heals us from the inside out. So we're prepared to actually receive the Torah. We're prepared to, for that to become our new desire. And so we're no longer slaves. We're, we're fully healed. Amen. And that's the month of ER, which I'm sorry, connection to this. I said, and that's the month of ER. Yes. Which with this week's Torah portion, Beha Alo Hamashiach, um, they have Pesach Shani, which takes place in the month of ER. Oh, wow. Wow. For all those who are carrying, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You were about to say it. Okay. Do it. I was, I was saying for all those who. Came, came to Moshe said, we were carrying the bones of Yosef. Yes. Right? Those are carrying yes. the bones of Yosef, right? They became impure. Right? Impure. They were, yes. Yes. And so, like, the whole, whole idea of someone who becomes impure, it's like they have this, like, like tame, the word is. Am I correct in that? Uh, I am word on right it there. right now. I'm sorry? I'm on it right now. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Okay, well, this, this word, Tame, like impurity, it has this idea of, like, this association with death. All right. And so, you have this idea of this, this month of Iyar, right? This, this Pesach Shani, which you beautifully brought up. Like, it's the idea of, of healing those who are associated with this death. Right, who are impure, tame, they're associated with his death. And so it's there to heal them and redeem them. <laughs> and why, why, would, 
why was death brought into this world? Because of sin. The punishment for sin is death. And so what is what is he really redeeming there? Good night. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll continue on this redeeming from death and impurity and all that being made pure. All right, Rukashim. <laughs> 